Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. something that's called Frank's Daily Chuckles. And uh, sometimes people send me things, they email me things and uh, uh, different things, some I've seen before. Uh, But this one I found kind of interesting, kind of makes you think a little bit. And the prayer goes like this. Dear Lord, so far today, God, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy. I haven't been grumpy. I haven't been nasty, selfish, overindulgent. I haven't coveted my neighbor's spouse or taken your name in vain. Lord, I am very thankful for that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. (laughs) And from then on, everybody that I encounter is probably going to need your help. (laughs) Amen. I smile. I think, think, you know, that's a pretty honest honest prayer, isn't it? Uh, That that is typical for most of us. How many of you know that to, to be a believer in Jesus Christ, to live the way that the Bible says is difficult, isn't it? To be a Christian is sometimes difficult. You know, uh, there's a lot of stuff that happens uh, during our days, a lot of problems that come. And, uh, and, and you know, I think that there, there's a, a desire in us. We want to please the Lord. We want to do what God is, is wanting us to do. But let's be honest, sometimes it's just difficult, isn't it? It's difficult. It's what happens after we get, get up that gives us all the problems. <laughs> oh, but this morning what I want to talk to you about is the blessings of obedience as we continue our sermon series in the book of Haggai or Haggai. Uh, it's pronounced both ways uh, and uh, in either one, uh, you can pronounce it that way uh, in our series, The Time Is Now. We're going to look at the, the blessings of obedience and this message is really about all the stuff that happens once we get out of bed. <laughs> Once we get out of bed, this is the struggles that happen each, each day, the struggles to obey the Lord. And this morning, I'm going to make two assumptions, okay? I'm going to make two assumptions. First of all, I'm going to assume this, that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, I'm going to assume that you have a desire to want to please and obey the Lord, all right? I'm just going to make that assumption today, that if, you have, if you're a believer in Jesus, if you put your, 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 you've given your life to Christ, I'm just going to assume today and, and just kind of give you that assumption today that you truly want to obey God that you want to please the Lord, that that's the right thing, and that's what you, you want to do. And I, I, there's just no doubt. My section, second assumption is this, that, that even in a crowd this big, that there is nobody that obeys God all the time. I think we have a desire to, but I'm going to just put it out there that not all of us are obedient to God all the time. How do I know that? Because, you know, the Bible is the thing that we really look to and lean on. And, and the book of James chapter 3 and verse 2 says, we all stumble in many ways. Anybody say amen to that? Anybody agree to that? We all stumble in many, in many ways. And I think that little prayer that we read right at the beginning gets it basically right. You know, gossip is no problem until we hear something juicy, right, that we just feel like we have to share. We never lose our temper as long as we're not around other people who don't do everything we expect them to do. We're usually not grumpy or nasty if there's nobody around to get under our skin, We do okay when we're in bed, but it's the problem is it's after the stuff. The stuff that happens after we get up, that's the problem. Because we can't just deal with just us. We got to deal with everything around us. Obedience isn't easy. It's not easy, or perhaps I should say it's easy in theory, but it's difficult in practice. Amen? 
In truth, it's really like we'd all like to obey God, but it's just, it's really sometimes just difficult to do. And that was, that was no different than the Jewish folks in Haggai's day. The, the ones that Haggai is speaking to and writing to, it was no different in their day. They found that out rather quickly. You know, back in, in, in 587 B.C., the Babylonians, again, just to kind of recap, under the king Nebuchadnezzar, destroyed Judah. They crushed the temple that Solomon had built. It was a beautiful temple. It became a physical blow, but more than that, it was a spiritual blow to the people of God. Because it was saying, you know what, you have destroyed everything we love and you destroyed the very center and the very focus of our worship. And what you have to understand is in, in, in that day and age, it was not like today's day and age. Everybody believed in God or a God or gods or goddesses. There was some kind of a belief in a higher power. There was a belief that there was, there was a creator or there was a God or there were gods that were orchestrating events. And when it came to worship, when it came to worship, nations literally began to lean, whether it was, uh, it was, it was Asherah or, or whether it was Baal or whether it was whatever God, they would say, our God is God. And they would take that into battle. And when they won battles, they would sacrifice to their gods. It was, it was a time in which everybody believed that there was some type of God. And so when Babylon came in and they destroyed the temple, they were saying, our God is more powerful than your God. God. That's what was happening. You have to understand that the temple was more than just a physical structure. It was more than just building a a church that, that is beautiful with beams and a sanctuary to worship. It was really about the power of God. And when they came in, they not only destroyed Judah, but they also began to impact, and it was a representation of the spiritual collapse that had been happening for years as Israel turned away from the worship of God and they turned to other idols. And as a result of that, the very fabric and the very center of their worship went with it. It was very symbolic of something spiritually that was happening inside. And that was what was happening. And then all of a sudden, uh, later on, uh, five decades later, Uh, They began to go back, and there was a delegation of them that were allowed to go back and rebuild after 50 years being held captive. They started to rebuild, and not only did they rebuild, to start to rebuild the temple, but to rebuild their lives. And they started because they wanted to, again, get back to establishing the house and the temple and the dwelling place for God. But if you remember, in week one, they started strong. They built a foundation. They built an altar. But then they experienced some opposition. The Samaritans began to oppose them, and as a result of that, the work stopped. They stopped prioritizing the worship of God, and instead they got busy with their own lives, they got busy with their own homes, and for 14 years, 14 years, the temple lay with just simply foundations built and nothing else done, and they built their own houses. And Haggai says, whoa, your priorities are wrong. Your priorities are wrong. You're worried about your own houses, you're worried about your own self, you're worried about all those things, and you have forgotten about my house. And what he was saying is, you haven't put me first. You put everything else first, but you haven't put me first. And he said, this is what's happened. You have a, you, you, you have a, a, a purse with holes in it. You, you try to earn, but you never, get, you, you never get anywhere. You never get any traction. You never get anywhere. Why? Because your priorities are off, and you haven't prioritized me. I'm going to be honest with you. I think that that is a problem today. I think we get busy building our lives. 
We get busy about our own business. We get busy about doing our things. And we forget about our relationship with God and about what God calls us to do. And Haggai said, no, the time is now. Well, with great enthusiasm, they launched the project again. But within a month, they got discouraged. Last week, we talked about discouragement. They, they felt like quitting. Their problem was is, is, uh, is that the temple wasn't going as quickly as they thought. It wasn't as, as beautiful as they thought. It wasn't happening as they thought. And, and all of those things began to cause them to get discouraged. There are times as we start to try to reprioritize that the enemy comes against us and we experience discouragement. So last week we talked about the fact that Haggai says, no, 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 don't get discouraged. Keep on going. Don't stop again. You've got to keep on battling through the discouragement. You've got you've to be strong and you've got to do the work. Be strong and do the work because the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And so now we come to this point and they had another problem. <laughs> they began to wonder if it was worth it to obey God. After all, there, there's no reward for obedience uh, not that there's no reward, but sometimes we begin to look, and if we're not seeing progress, we begin to think, oh, boy, if, there's no, if nothing happened, if we're not seeing the blessings, if, if it's not happening, we might as well live like the devil. We, we might as well just go out and do our own thing, and that's where we pick up the story. And if you begin to read through the lines, what you find is, is that what God is really after is the attitude of their heart. They, they battle things that we, we battle with. They're trying to do something that God asked them to do, but it just isn't going well or as quickly as they expect. God, I'm trying to do life your way. God, I'm trying to obey you. I went to church. I'm trying to do this church thing, but life is still not turning out for me. It's still not working out as I believe it should. You know, there's a lot of times we think that way. Lord, I said the prayer. How come things aren't getting better? Anybody ever felt like that before? I said the prayer. Man, that pastor invited me to say the prayer. He, he invited me to give my life to Christ. He said, repeat after me. We said, the, we said the prayer. How come life isn't turning around? How come answers aren't coming? How, how come things aren't changing? God, I went to church. Why isn't, it cha- why isn't my life changing now? I picked up my Bible and I got on that U version. I started a reading plan. I, but I don't see anything. I'm trying to obey. But it just doesn't seem like anything is any different in my life. I, I don't understand. I don't even know if it's worth it anymore. And you know what, that attitude, and when we look at that kind of a thing and that kind of a battle, chances are, and if you're taking notes, it's a problem, and it's called the problem of conditional obedience. Conditional obedience to God. Conditional obedience is seen when we say this, okay, God, uh, you know, as long as you're delivering, then I'll obey you as long as it doesn't cost me too much. God, I'll do what you want me to do as long as I see the results, as long as I see the results I want to see, don't make me too uncomfortable. Don't make it inconvenient. God, I'm, I'm just going to do what I, as long as you do what I think you should do, then I'll do what you say. If not, I'm going to pull back a little bit. Conditional obedience. I'll obey as long as it doesn't make me uncomfortable or as long as I see the results I want to see. That's conditional obedience. Conditional obedience is kind of like selective listening. Kind of go with me a little bit on this. If I have any parents in the room, perhaps you can relate to this. You know, kids are like this. Kids hear what they want to hear. Selective listening. You know, if, you, if you're saying, hey, kids, it's time to do the laundry. We want your help. Come on and bring the laundry. Nothing. Kids, come on. It's time to pick up your toys. It's time to pick up your room. Nothing. Hey, kids, come on. I need you to do nothing. And you kind of go up and you say it and you go, hey, I, I asked you to come down. We got this work to do. We got this to do. We got homework to do. We got, what do you hear? 
I didn't hear you. But you know what's amazing? And this doesn't happen in my house. You know what's amazing? I'm just kidding. You're whispering. You say, you know what? After dinner, why don't we, why don't we, you think it'd be a good idea to treat the kids to ice cream? And you hear from all the way upstairs, yes, we want ice cream. I'm like, what? Come on, the door is shut. How did they hear that? Right? But they couldn't hear when it's time to do homework or the laundry. I don't understand. Selective listening. You know what? That's the way it is with us and God. There are some times when, when we hear like, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper me and not to harm me, plans to give me a hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11, I'm quoting the promises of God. Yes and amen. I love those promises. And God says, well, <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I, I got this. You need to love your neighbor as yourself. You need to love your enemies. I don't, what do you mean love my enemies? You know, forgive my enemies, love my, are you kidding me? I like that. I know the plans I have for you to clip plans to prosper you. I'm on that one, but when you say forgive my, I don't hear that one. I just, yeah, I'll pray for my enemies. I pray they go to hell. That's what I pray. I pray you judge them, Lord. Some of you are laughing uncomfortably. You know what I'm talking about. Selectively, we select the things that we like. Oh, all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Love your neighbor as yourself. I don't know about that one. Come on. Come on. Selective listening. Selective reading. I'll obey the scriptures that benefit me. I'll obey the things that I want. I'll obey as long as there's the rewards, as long as there's the blessing, as long as there's the, all the, the benefits that come with it. But those things that are actually difficult to do, those things that are in God's word that are actually hard to do, those things where God says, you know what, I want you to wait until marriage, you single folks, wait until marriage before you have intimacy. I don't know if I can do that. That's just tough. You don't know my needs. Selective listening. Oh, tie, as long as I'm getting something back, but not just simply as a trust to the Lord. It's awfully quiet in here. Because that's what we do, right? Let me tell you something. God doesn't give us options to consider. He gives us commands to obey. Amen. These are not options to consider. Conditional obedience. I mean, it, this, is, this is not whether you like it or not. Whether you're getting something or not, that is, again, we talked about this when we were doing the long story short series, when we were in, in covenant and talking about what it means to be covenant. We live in a consumer society, and oftentimes that bleeds into our relationship with God, where we are consumer in our relationship with God, and our obedience is conditional to what we get in exchange. But the moment we're not getting something in exchange, we forget about the covenant that's involved in that. That it's not a consumer relationship with God. It's a covenant relationship with his blood. Paid for and redeemed by his blood. These are not options to consider. They're commands to obey. And it's with this in mind that Haggai begins to speak to the people. And he asks two probing questions. Two probing questions. And how many of you know when God wants to get your attention, he oftentimes will ask you questions. Not because God doesn't know the answer. He wants you to discover the answer. He's really good like that. Starting in verse 10, Haggai chapter 2. On the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priest what the law says. 
If someone carries consecrated meat in the fold of their garment, and that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, olive oil, or other food, does it become consecrated? The priest answered, no. Then Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of the things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. Now, you're like, Pastor, where are you going with this message? That is, that is weird. Those are some weird questions. Those are some, they're weird to our ears, but in Haggai's day, they understood exactly what this would have been. They understood this because they had hundreds of laws that were governing every aspect of life. Most of those laws had to do with an understanding of things that were holy and things that were not holy. If you read through the book of Leviticus, and the old, there were all kinds of different things that, that had to do with holiness and unholiness, and they had to do with sacrifices. They would have understood this stuff because God's holy, isn't he? God's holy, and so if you're going to use objects in worship and holy, they've got to be set apart, they've got to be consecrated, they've got to be holy unto the Lord. An unholy object in itself was not necessarily sinful. You could have a, a bowl or a knife or something that you were using as a part of the sacrifice, and it could look the same as a bowl in an ordinary kitchen. It was not about the bowl, it was about what it was set apart to be used for. Holiness is about set apart. It was about what it was sanctified. It was about what it was used for. It could be ordinary or common, or it could be, it could be holy. And in particular, dead bodies were defiled and unclean. Anybody who touched them became unclean, and there was something they had to go through at that point in terms of to be cleansed so that they could enter back into things. And so the question is this, what if something unholy touches something holy? Does the unholy thing become holy? And they said, no. And he said, if the unholy thing touches the holy thing, what happens? They said, it becomes defiled. We could summarize it this way. Holy touches unholy, and it equals this. The unholy object remains unholy. But if the unholy touches the holy, then the holy object becomes defiled. Let me just summarize it just with this. This is just talking about the corruptive power of sin. The corruptive power of sin. Sin spreads easier than holiness does, friends. It's the corruptive power of sin. Paul said in the New Testament, bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. You hang out with the wrong people, there's a good chance you're not going to impact them with your goodness, with your righteousness, with your holiness. They're going to impact you. Nine times out of ten. Bad company corrupts good morals. It's the corruptive power of sin. That's what, that's what we're talking about here. Let me, let me give you another illustration. Suppose you wash your hands, all right? You, you wash your hands, your hands are nice and clean, and then there's a dirty dish, all right? Maybe you had pasta sauce or something. You go and you pick up that dirty dish. What happens? Does that dish, because your hands are clean, does that dish become clean? No. What happens? Your hands, what? They get sauce all over them. They're unclean, right? Your hands are unclean. If, 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 if your children walk into your nice, clean carpet, you have just cleaned, you have just, you vacuumed, it looks nice and pristine. You got the lines. You know the carpet got the lines. Got to have the lines. Company's coming. Got to have the lines. Don't walk on it, right? Some of you get what I'm talking about. Others of you just don't care. <laughs> and your kids come in from outside and they got dirty shoes on. Does, does the clean carpet make their shoes clean? No, the clean, the dirty shoes make the carpet dirty, right? It doesn't go the other way around. It, sin is contagious. It's like a disease. 
If a person with a cold kisses a person that is in perfect health, will the sick person catch health? No. If that was the case, we wouldn't need Cleveland Clinic. <laughs> Certainly not TriPoint. Did I say that? I'm sorry. Erase that from the tape, please. <laughs> no, you kiss somebody, you get they get perfect to hell. They kiss somebody with a cold, chances are they now got a cold. We, we miss it. We just, it's as simple as that, and yet at the same time, we, we just don't get it because there is the corruptive power of sin, and that, that is what he's talking about. That's what Haggai is saying. He's saying, listen, sin is catchy. Sin is corruptive. All right, it is catchy. Holiness is not, but, but sin is. So you got, you got to understand this. And so then in, 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 in Haggai chapter 2 and verse 14, it continues. He says, so it is with this people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do, whatever they offer, there is defiled. What's God saying here? This is challenging. I'm going to be honest with you. This is a hard passage. He's saying, because you turned away, because your hearts are going after idols and not after me, then everything you do, everything you offer is defiled by sin. It hasn't turned around. It's defiled by sin. We could say it this way. When your heart isn't right with God, everything you do will be wrong. When your heart is not right with God, everything you do will be wrong. And I can hear it. I know some of you are pushing back. Pushing back. Pushing back. No, what about grace? What about grace? What? The key word here is whatever. See, when your heart isn't right with God, Whatever. Whatever. God wanted, uh, he did want a spiritual temple built. What they were doing was not the problem. The problem was their heart wasn't right. It, it didn't matter they were building a temple because their heart wasn't right. And God wasn't as concerned about the temple as he was about their heart. God's not concerned about all the work you do for him if your heart is not right for God. You can, you can serve and you can give and you can come to JOJ and I thank you for all of our volunteers and you can give and 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 give. But if your heart is not right, God says, I'm more concerned about your heart than what you're building. I'm more concerned about your heart than what you're building. He's concerned about the heart. That, that's the problem here. Matthew 5, 23 and 24, you say, oh, that's Old Testament. No, it's not. Therefore, if you have an offering, if you're, if you're offering a gift at the altar, and remember your brother and sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, go and be reconciled, then come and offer your gift. Jesus said, it's not, your offering is important. I want you to offer your gift, but your heart is really important to me. I want your heart. I want your heart. I want your heart. That, that, that's what he's about. Come on, parents, you know this is true. You know, you, you got one kid does something wrong to kid number two. Kid one, you say, kid one, apologize to kid number two, right? And kid one walks up, sorry, and walks away. Let me ask you, does that count or not? <laughs> no, what do you do? You go, come on, you got to say it like you mean it. Get over here. Come on, come on, that's not quite right. Come on, say it again. Sorry, sorry. And you know, it's still not right, sorry. Come on, you got to give him a hug. <laughs> All right, hug it out, hug it out, hug it out. Why? Because attitude matters. If your heart isn't right, whatever you do is completely wrong. Attitude matters. And they were saying, God, I'll obey you, I'll obey you, I'll, as long as you do what I'm telling you. As long as you do what I want you to do. As long as it's working out for me, I'll obey. As long as it doesn't cost me too much. As long as it's convenient, I'll obey. <laughs> but that's a dead wrong approach to God. We do not obey God because he'll bless us. We obey him because we love him. 
It's all about the heart, friends. It's all about the heart. We do not obey God for what he's doing for us, for how he'll bless us, for what he's going to make our lives better. We, we honor and love, we, we honor and worship God, we obey God because of who he is. He is God. He's God. We honor him with everything in us. That's why getting our heart right is what matters more than anything. It's an issue of the heart. When it comes down to it, it's an issue of the heart. Holiness is not transferable. Holiness begins in the heart. Begins in the heart. God wants your heart. He wants every part of you. He wants your heart. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Or as the old gospel song says, how about your heart? Is it right with God? That's the thing that counts today. It's about the heart. It's about the heart. So how about your heart? Now here's the true motive. Here it is. Here's the motive of God. You say, God, that seems kind of harsh. <laughs> I don't know if I like this. That seems kind of harsh. So Haggai chapter 2, 15 to 17. Now give careful thought. Give careful thought from this day on. In other words, I want you to think about this. This is really important. You need to think about this. You know how you take your kids sometimes in time out and you go think about what you just did? <laughs> Haggai saying to them, you need to think about this. Give careful thought. Consider how things were before one stone was laid upon another in the Lord's temple. How was it? How was it before? Before you started laying one stone upon another, how was life Consider how life was. Here's how life was. When, everyone, when anyone came to a heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. When anyone went to the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. Can I be honest with you? I don't like this picture of God. Did you read it? I don't like this picture of God. What do you mean? <laughs> What do you mean, God? You mean I'm out here and I'm, I'm working really hard and, 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 and I'm, I'm earning 100 and you only give me 50? <laughs> How is that? How did half of it disappear? Yeah, I invested $1,000 on something I thought was a sure thing. You only, you know, I only raped 600. I mean, I don't understand. What the, I mean, I'm trying. How, how come everything I'm touching is turning sour? How come nothing is working out? And then, then on top of it, you say you're the one that did it? You caused the mildew? You caused the blight? You caused the hail? I, I don't know about you. That's a tough pill to swallow. God, I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best. And you, you're the one keeping me from having my crops? I don't even know if this is even worth it. God, I don't understand. I'm just trying to survive. If you truly love me, wouldn't you just, wouldn't you just let me have all of it? I don't, I don't understand. But what we need to understand is the last phrase. Because this is the last phrase. And the last phrase is the motive of God. The last phrase is, but you did not turn to me. You did not return to me. God, this is what God wanted all along. He wanted his people's heart. He wanted them to turn back from him. He wanted their hearts. It wasn't about all that other stuff. That other stuff wasn't the problem. It was that he didn't have their heart. He didn't have their heart. Now, now listen, I know I'm on, on tricky theological ground here, all right? All right, can I, can I just say that what I'm not saying is, is that if you're experiencing something bad in your life, it's because God is sending it. That's not always the case, all right? That's not always the case. There are times when trials come. They come on the just and the unjust alike, all right? There are times when it's not, it's not a matter of something that you did. There are just times where, where those things happen. We live in a sin-filled world. Sometimes the enemy is coming after you, and you're in a spiritual battle, and you've got to continue to press forward, all right? That's a part of it. But there are times, there are times 
times in your life where you are pushing, where you are working, where you are trying to do everything in your strength and your power, and you're just spinning your wheels, and what you thought you'd receive, you don't, and you're not getting it, and things aren't happening the way that you expected them to happen, even though you're doing all this stuff, and you're saying, why? I want you to consider that perhaps it's because God is saying, there are some things that are not right, and you need to return to me. I'm not going to bless you with those things and keep blessing you with those things, but I'm using this to get your attention. Come on, every good parent does this. You say, how can that be the love of God? That seems so cruel. If you're a loving parent, you do this. You've got a kid that goes off to college, okay? I'm just going to use that because we're in that time. You've got a kid that goes off to college, and every month you're giving them a supply. You're giving them some money. You're giving them a supply. And you find out that they start smoking it away. They start drinking it away. They start partying away. Let me tell you what a loving parent does. A loving parent says, you know what? You're not getting that anymore. You know what, I'm going to cut off your source because your values don't match up with the values that, that, that I have. So I'm cutting off your source to get your attention, to get you to change, to get you to turn, to get you to wake up. I'm going to cut off your source and make life more difficult so that you wake up and realize that I'm not going to contribute to the destruction that's happening in your life. God is a loving parent. Oh, God, bless me. Why aren't you blessing me? Why aren't you blessing me? Are, how are you living? God needs our heart. Do you trust him or not? How is your way working for you? As a loving parent, God is not going to continue to bless you and, 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 and just give you everything you want so that you can continue to live down a life of destruction. And that's what he's saying. To, Listen, before, don't you get it? I control the seasons. Give your heart back to me, and then I, I, will, I will begin to work in you again. I will begin to unlock the. I, I will begin to, to give it back to you. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Listen, he wanted to be first. They were worshiping other idols. And he says, I want your heart. Those other things can't supply like I can. I want your heart. You know, there are some times where, where we put so much trust in so many other things. And I think that God sometimes goes, okay, see how that God provides for you then. You can't prioritize me first. You, your job is the most important thing for you and, and working all that overtime and doing all that and not being, you know what, then let your job be your God until the economy turns and then you don't have it anymore. I know, this is a hard message. Pastor, ooh, come on. You know what, God wants our hearts. Here's the problem. Isaiah 29, 13, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based merely on human rules they have been taught. God doesn't want lip service. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. The command, love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. All your heart. It's about the heart. 
It's about the heart. It's about God wants your heart. Verse 18, from this day on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. From this day on, I will bless you. The Lord says, give me your heart. Give me your heart. And from this day on, I'll bless you. But look at, you got to understand the sequence, though. This is not going to be immediate, all right? This is not immediate. We can draw a couple conclusions from this. First, blessings begin the moment we obey, all right? They have been delaying for 14 years, and they started to rebuild the temple, and, and, and yet their fields were still barren. And I think some of them were beginning to self-talk and say, I don't understand what's worth the effort. And God says, you know what? Hey, 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 give me your heart, and from this day on, I'm going to start to bless you. Sometimes we feel far away from God. We say, what's the use? What's the use? Let me share a little illustration that, that, that might help. You know, if you find your life is in a bit of a mess, you remember, you got to remember this, you didn't get there overnight. All right, this was years. You got there by taking a thousand steps in the wrong direction. All right, one step, one step, one step, one step, one step. I'm, I'm, I'm taking this step, I'm taking this step, I'm taking this step, I'm taking this step. You, you know what happens when you, when you come to Christ, when you, turn, when you return and you give Christ your heart, guess what? It's the same way. It's not going to be immediate. It's going to be something that's step by step. You've got to start taking steps. I take a step today. 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 It's a step by step by step by step. You didn't get there overnight, and it's not going to get better overnight. It's discipleship. It's a process. There are some times when the Lord does set people free completely. There are other times when God says, take a step today of obedience. Just live for today. Take a step today of obedience. Take a step today of obedience. Take a step today of obedience. The step by step by step by step by step. That's what it's all about. And that, that, that's what he's saying. He, he, notice, notice if, he, if you take a look at this passage, he, he says, listen, give careful thought. Is there any seed left in the barn? Listen, they, these have not borne fruit yet, but it's coming. This day on, I will bless you. You just got to keep taking those steps. First John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Walk. Walk in the light. Walk in the light. Step by step by step by step. Secondly, the harvest will eventually come. The harvest is going to come eventually. Come on, everybody who gardens, everybody understands this principle. A seed you plant today, you don't harvest tomorrow. It takes a while. Right? It doesn't come right up. You don't put it in the soil and the next time it, it comes up. You know, it, it can take months. It can, it can take months. And for the Jews, it took four years to finish building the temple. <laughs> I'm sure they faced opposition. I'm sure they battled with discouragement. But they started to rebuild. They were planting fresh seed in the ground, and it hadn't come up yet. But God says, don't worry about that. You're going to reap an abundant harvest eventually. Just be faithful to what I have promised, and the harvest will come in. There are some of you, you need to start sowing the right seed. See, what you're reaping now is the, is the wrong seed that you planted. Now you got to start, you got to start planting the right seed, and you can't expect that tomorrow it's going to all be fixed and all be better. You start planting the right seed, and if you stay faithful to the Lord, he's going to bless, and there will come a harvest. There will come a day when there is a harvest. Just keep planting the right seed. Just keep planting the right seed. More than anything else, God wants your heart, friends. I'm wrapping this up. Worship team, you can come. He doesn't want conditional obedience. He wants your heart. Maybe you've been given lip service to the Lord, but God is saying today, it's time. I want your heart.
I want your heart. I want your heart. I don't want your lip service. I want your heart. Maybe you're like the Israelites. You know, you just keep trying. No harvest is coming. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't quit on God. Let me challenge you. It's time to examine our heart. Perhaps the way you're, you're living doesn't reflect God's values. And maybe, maybe he started to choke off the, the source. And you got to get right with the Lord. Get right with the Lord. Maybe he's holding back, back blessings because the way you've been living is harmful. And he says, no, uh, the loving thing for me to do is to cut off the supply. Return to me. Return to me. This morning, before we get out of here, before we quit, before we close, I want you to examine your heart today. Examine your heart today. Does the Lord have your heart? Does the Lord have your heart? Haggai says the time is now. The time is now. It's not tomorrow. It's not Tuesday. It's not Wednesday. It's not next month. It's not July. It's not August. It's not September. It's not next year. It's not five years from now. It's today. Today, the Lord wants your heart. Today, the Lord says, I need you to get right with me. I want you to get right with me. Let's bow our heads this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, right now, examine our hearts. Lord, we are not a good judge of our own hearts. Even David recognized that. Because you're the only one that truly knows the heart. You're the only one that truly searches the heart. And so today, Lord, I just pray, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would begin to search our hearts today. That's what we ask. Give us a heart exam today. And show us, Father, if there is anything that is not right in our heart. Anything, Father, where we are not aligned with you. Anything, Father, where our hearts are not right. We need to have healthy hearts. Hearts, God, that are solely devoted to you. If there are idols in our lives, there are other areas that we have trusted. If there is unforgiveness in our heart, if we've been living with conditional obedience and haven't fully surrendered our heart over to you, oh, God, we repent today. We repent today, and we call on you, and we ask you, Lord, to forgive us, and we surrender our heart to you. We repent, and we surrender our heart to you, O oh God. You have our heart, God. You have our heart, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If that's you this morning, you just sensing the Lord wants you to get your heart right with him. I just want to invite you to pray with me this morning. It's just a prayer of repentance this morning, a prayer. Just ask the Lord that we get our hearts right with him. Come on, let's pray. Dear Jesus, I ask you today to forgive me. Today, I surrender my heart to you. I want to please you. I want to walk with you. And that starts when I give you my heart. And so today, Lord, I give you my heart. It's yours. I surrender it to you. And I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to cleanse me. And I ask you to show me what steps of obedience I need to begin to take. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's word. 
For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.